0: And we are back. This is the Bashmania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash. And we've got another great episode today. Today, NCAA champion born with one leg, Anthony Robles, is on the podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, be sure to subscribe to Bashamania. And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It's Bashamania! Yeah, Anthony Robles. How are you, man? I'm doing well, Justin. How you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I was just telling you yesterday was my birthday was a great day. And because it was quiet and quarantine, everything like that. I spent half the day like watching interviews and videos prepping for this. And man, I I wasn't an Anthony Robles fan when you were in college because I had just started really following college wrestling. And I was a big Penn State guy. So with you and McDonough wrestling, I'm just like, it's not Penn State. But then <laughs> like as like I start to really follow the sport, you, I think you start to not only learn more of the backstories, which is what this podcast aims to do, but you start to see really who the good people are in the sport. And I think you're one like I you have a contagious smile. I've been watching footage of yours for 24 hours and I've noticed you have to be one of the like one of the happiest wrestlers there is. I don't know anybody who smiles more than you.
1: <laughs> well, thank you, ma'am. I guess I'm blessed to have a good smile. I'm just lucky that, you know, throughout my whole wrestling career, I didn't chip too many teeth. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that turned out good with your recent broadcast career. Boom. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. I, I want to go back to the beginning here. It's so hard to to tell. You have such an amazing story, and I understand why The Rock wants to do a movie on you, which we'll talk about that too, but trying to fit as many golden nuggets as I can into a 30, 60-minute podcast. So I'll do my best. Let's go back to the beginning. For no reason, you were born with one leg. Is your earliest memory just, hey, I'm a little bit different. I got one leg instead of two. Like, what was your earliest memory of that? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, doctors couldn't explain it. My
1: mom was shocked. Um, but, you know, just growing up, I knew I was different. Uh, but for me, as a kid, it, my own household, my family didn't treat me any differently than my siblings. Yeah. You know, so growing up, it was like, yeah, I have one leg, my siblings have two. But that was no different than, you know, me being a boy and my sister being a girl. That's how I saw it. And yeah. that's basically how my, 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 my family reacted to it. And so, you know, I didn't really understand how big of a difference me missing a leg was, at least to other people. Yeah. Uh, until I started to go to school. And, you know, I just remember like walking down just grocery store aisles, you know, and people would look at me. I didn't really understand it. But I mean kids, you know, yeah. you, kids, they'll say whatever's on their minds. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, kids I, say go, the darndest things. <laughs> you know, so I started going to school and kids would ask me questions and stare. And so that's when it started like, you know, kind of opening. I was like man, I guess i am I am really different, you know
0: what was it discouraging at all? like I don't know what it was like you know growing up like that, but was it discouraging where maybe a sibling could do something easier than you could like were you hard on yourself early on
1: uh actually, no, you know, because my mom, the way she raised me uh and the way my family treated me this we knew this was gonna be a challenge for me, you know, missing yeah. a leg, but Uh, we never saw it as something that would hold me back in life. And so my mom, you know, she never like tried to protect me from trying things because she was afraid I couldn't do it. Like, I mean, riding a bike, I learned that when I was like five or six years old, you know, Mm -hmm. without the training wheels. So it was like, you know, I just grew up just figuring out how to do things. It was never like, oh, I can't because I'm missing a leg. It's okay. You know, I want to do this. How can I do it? You know? So I saw everything like a puzzle, everything just like You know, I might have to do things slightly differently, create a different way, but I can do it. So that never became an issue for me.
0: And your dad bailed early on, and instead of feeling sorry for yourself or making your life harder, you credit your mom for teaching you early on to never let what you cannot never let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. And I love that. I think you said that at the Espy Award speech is where I heard it the first time. How important was shaping your mindset early on in life? Uh, man, I think that, that was just crucial for me.
1: You know, that was key because, uh, like I said, you know, going to school and, and interacting with people outside of my family, you know, right away, they would see me for what I was lacking, you know, yep. for what, I, what could hold me back. So they instantly, without even knowing me, without giving me an opportunity, had low expectations of me and what I was capable for. And, you know, had I not had my mom, you know, really just having an impact on my mind to where I didn't see this as something could hold me back, I would have you know, listen to those people who had those low expectations. And then that would have been my mindset, you know, like, Oh, I don't know if I can do this because I'm missing a leg. Well, I can't do this because I am missing the leg. And, yeah. you know, because she started early on and putting that in my head, when I started to interact with, you know, that negative uh, that mentality that other people were trying to put on me, that low expectation, uh, it clashed, you know, and I was like, No, that's that's not how I raised. That's, that's, that's not how I was raised. You know, that's not yeah. what I've uh, been doing my whole life. I can do this. I don't care what anybody else thinks. And and that was kind of my mentality. It's like, okay, I need to prove them wrong now. You know, that's my goal. I'm, I'm just going to do what I want to do, set my goals and prove people wrong along the way.
0: Yeah. I love that. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk says the same thing that his 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 parents instilled such confidence. I love what you said on when you were on Leno after winning the SSB award, where you said I was raised with my head in the clouds. <laughs> like I, I was raised with such confidence. And I'm curious if you mix that confidence somewhere along the lines, you had an affinity with physical workouts. I mean, you set a push-up record for your school in sixth grade. Then, you, I believe you started. You played football in seventh, eighth grade, then then started wrestling. What was the what got you hooked on physical activity that eventually led you to wrestling?
1: Uh, well, honestly, I think uh, a lot of it had to do with my stepdad. You know, and, and uh, as you mentioned, he was. You know, he left at an early age, but throughout my life, he was always kind of in again, and out again. You know, he was yeah. there and he wasn't. So it was a rocky relationship there, but um, you know, he was still my dad, and I always loved him. You know, and so I just remember growing up. Um, I mean, he was really big into weightlifting, so he had yeah. a weightlifting set in the the garage, and you know, we were always watching. We were huge Raiders fans, so we were always watching football on the weekends. You know, sports. We watched the Lakers as well. And uh, my favorite movie was Rocky growing up. So you know, I remember <laughs> like the Rocky scenes where he's doing pull ups and push ups yep. and. So that just kind of got in my head early on, and just seeing my my stepdad doing is it, like I want to do that too, you know. And uh, it was just fun for me. It was just fun to see how strong I could get, and you know how how much I could push my body.
0: And I've heard you say that you know you you played football in seventh and eighth grade, and you quickly realized it just really wasn't for you. And I've heard you again say one of the things I love, by the way, about having people on the show who have done so many interviews is I can get all the like the stuff I hear all the time out of the way and kind of pull out of that. <laughs> like, so I've I've heard you say like you were I think five and eight your freshman year, worst record in your city, but you got better. Like, how did you get better? Where with football you're like I'm not good or this isn't for me, but with wrestling, even though you sucked initially, you're like no I can be good. What was the difference there?
1: Uh, well, like, you know, football, I was only 90 pounds, you know, yeah. and they had me as a defensive lineman, so I was just too small. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, hopping around the field, I could do it for so long, but I just get tired, you know. But, I mean, yeah. wrestling, I like that one-on-one aspect. I love the weight classes. You know, I love just walking in the room and different body types and, you know, tall wrestlers, short wrestlers, stocky, whatever. And so I would say, you know, the big difference for me after that, that first year of not doing well, of sucking, it was just, you know, I committed to training all summer and, you know, I was training with a guy. His name was Chris Frigi, one of my best friends. Uh, he was a state champion eventually for our team. Uh, and also Henry Cejudo, uh lived in in Arizona at the time. He went to Maryville yeah. High School. And so Chris was a good friend. We would rotate around. Henry would come down to Mesa High where we were at. We'd wrestle in the summer. <laughs> We'd go to Henry's uh, school, wrestle at Maryville, you know, and barbecue afterwards. And so that was my summer. You know, I'm wrestling with a state champion, a future national runner-up, a future gold medalist. Yeah. And, you know, these guys are literally just – they're beating me on me every single day, you know, I mean, we're scrapping every day, but uh, you know, it helped to uh toughen me up. It helped me to learn quickly, you know, just, just that I needed to be efficient that I needed to really commit to my attacks, clean them up. And uh it gave me the confidence knowing like, you know, once season started, I wasn't going to be wrestling guys like this caliber, you know, yeah. through a high school career. Yeah. They're tough guys, but I mean, at that level, you know, so I just say that, you know, that, uh, was it that phrase that lions, lions lions train with lions you know if you want to be a lion you train with lions yeah i mean that's what i was trying to do you know i want to be a lion and those guys they, they pushed me and i'd say that was a big difference you know just learning that mentality early on from them
0: would you say that's one of the biggest uh something you attribute the most to going from five and eight your freshman year to going 96 and 0 your junior and senior year would you say that's one of the biggest things
1: oh absolutely you know them pushing me in my mentality and i think that was the biggest thing i started to develop that confidence in myself you know that, i mean just uh I, I I was confident in my ability and my wrestling style because that was the toughest thing too, was starting out that first year, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and really I had to learn a whole new wrestling style from scratch. You know, my coaches had to, to figure this out with me because there was no other one legged wrestler at the time that I could, you know, pull up YouTube to watch right. you know, to mimic a style. And there wasn't even a YouTube, you know, right. so, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it, it was a lot of trial and error and, and a lot of patience, but you know, those summers, that's when I I made the mistakes know, when I was getting my butt booked and I had to figure out how to tweak certain things. It's like, well, if they work on the best guys in this room, they'll work on everybody else. Right. And so it was just doing that, that helped with my confidence, it helped with my my mental game. And, you know, I stepped out there on the mat. Like I didn't, I didn't want to lose anybody. I didn't want to give up any points to anybody.
0: You know, I was, I was
1: uh, on another level.
0: And it seems like you, you kind of had the trifecta. You had a great support system with being raised by your mom, you know, kind of giving you that head in the clouds type feeling. You had some of the best wrestlers around like Henry to train with. And I think one of the other things I've seen in your life is that I know faith has played a big impact and I'm curious at when your faith started, I know you, you were raised in the church. When, when did your faith start to really play a role in your career?
1: Well, you know, yeah, I've been, I was raised in the church, you know, my family, Christian background. And so, you yeah. know, ever since I was, since I can remember, you know, that was our our, our thing, you know, we would go to church on Sundays and we would read together and uh, you know, my mom always told me from that young age that God made me this way for a reason, you know, and I never understood that. But, you know, when I got into wrestling, I felt like that was the calling for my life, but yeah. I would say, you know, my faith really started to impact me uh, in college. You know, it really, really, you know, hit me because, we were going through a lot just, uh, you know, with my family, you know, just mentor. There's a lot going on. I mean, my stepdad, that was at a point where he was officially about to be out of my life for good. You know, my mom was in a situation where she was a single parent about to lose a house. And uh, it was a struggle. You know, I, I contemplated quitting wrestling actually uh, during one of the season in college. Um, But uh, you know, I'd say my faith, it definitely, it definitely pulled me through just having that in the back of my mind. It's like, I don't understand it right now. You know, but there is a plan. You know, God does have a plan, and I just got to be uh, be patient. You know, just positive, do what I can. Uh, you know, to better my situation, do the most with what I have now, and you know, He'll take care of the rest of it. And yeah, um, I think it, it's it's shown. He's he's definitely blessed me.
0: And and I want I want to talk about that in a second because nation Garrett told me something similar. Where with him, there was some family stuff going on his sophomore year, and he dealt with a lot. But before I even dive into that. I I want to talk about the recruiting for a second because you wanted to go D1 and you wanted to go to an Iowa and Oklahoma. And the only two schools that ended up calling you back were ASU and Drexel. What was that process like? Like, did you, were, were, were again, were you discouraged at all? I know you had a chip on your shoulder. I know you're like, okay, they don't, they don't understand clearly what I'm capable of.
1: Oh yeah. I I definitely had a chip on my shoulder and it was a surprise to me because, you know, I did well in high school, you know, I was a two-time high school state champion Uh, My senior year, I just remember I still wasn't getting the high recruiting offer expected. Like you said, just Drexel and ASU, which are great schools. But I I was expecting more, you know, more options. And um, I just remember my coach told me, he's like, all right, he's like, you know, we have to get you national exposure. So you got to go to the high school national tournament. If you do well there, then, you know, the colleges really, really take a look at you, you know. And so I go there, I end up winning that at 112 pounds, you know, NHSCA national champ. Yeah. But still, the offers weren't coming in. And it was very discouraging, you know, especially just to see guys that i had seen during the year. And, you know, they're going different places, you know, and some of them I had beaten. And yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, I I think in the big picture, you know, looking back, it was for the best because I got to stay here in Arizona. And that was always something for me, which led to my decision of not going to Drexel. I wanted to stay here in Arizona, be the hometown boy, but more importantly, be Around my family, you know, because my family was always my strength uh during those times when when I was uh struggling mentally you know yeah. leaning on my mom leaning on, on on my siblings and you know also my faith, but you know I just needed that nucleus around me and yeah. uh you know I think it was it was for the best I would have loved to go to Iowa, but uh you know I, I don't think I don't think in the big picture mentally uh I would have been able to uh you know tough it out as, as much as I did at Arizona state.
0: And when you said that God had a plan for your life and God created you this way, it's also everything. It's not just being born with one leg. It's not just this. It's not, it's the entire plan. And it's important to follow that plan. And I'm curious through your college career, you, you had ups and downs. You weren't, you weren't as good, obviously when you got to college as when you ended it with an undefeated perfect senior year with a national championship, what was it like balancing those highs and lows of not, not being where you wanted to be your first couple of years, not being a national champion, like you said, dealing with issues at home where it's like, man, my mom's about to be foreclosed on. I wanna quit and I just need to make money. Like I need to be a man, a provider. Like what was that like dealing with all that? Yeah, it, it was exhausting. And there were a lot of times, a lot of ups and downs. You know, I remember uh, my first year
1: as a freshman, you know, coming out of high school, I was a stud, you know, <laughs> at least in yeah. my mind, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the coaches were talking to me, they're like, well, we think it'll be the best for you to redshirt this year. You know, sit out, train, get bigger, but we don't see you starting. And me, I'm like, I don't know. What are I don't you talking about? Oh, you know, right? yeah, I'm, I'm ready now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I want that national title now. But, you know, I remember they have us go on the maroon and gold wrestle ops, you know, where, where we, we figure out who's going to be the starter for the team. And yeah. you know, I'm wrestling the guy who's a senior. You know, and I had wrestled him in the practice a couple times, and, you know, I'd done pretty well. And so I I go in confident. I remember I get the first takedown, but second period, he pins me. And, you know, I hadn't gotten pinned since I was a freshman in high school. Humbling (laughs) moment. Very humbling. And, I mean, that wasn't (laughs) the only time I got pinned in my my college career. I think I got pinned again freshman and sophomore year. And so there were a lot of ups and downs. You know, Mm -hmm. on the wrestling mat, you know, there were some frustrating times. And, I mean, especially off the mat, you know, like you said, with my family stuff, I I was working here and there with some part-time jobs. Uh, One of them was was at a local airport. I was washing and waxing airplanes in the evening after practice. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was was actually, it was fun. You know, I enjoyed it, but, uh, you know, it was, there were a lot of matches going on in my life, you know, and you know, that was a point when at the moment, at that moment, I didn't see a plan, you know, I mean, it started just really weighing me down and really I didn't see the opportunities in front of me. All I saw were the obstacles. All I saw were the challenges and, uh, it, it, uh, uh, it was discouraging you yeah. know i mean i was doing the best that i could but i felt like i wasn't getting anywhere and i felt like in some ways i was kind of step taking a step back yeah. you know i was losing ground but uh, you know i think during those moments and what i learned was that you know during those moments when you have that that pop thought pop in your head yeah oh you know, it's where you won't, you feel like you're going to break you know that's where it's the most crucial to push through you know yeah. because that's when you're you're just around the corner from you know reaching that goal it's like you know that's that's when it matters the most you know just like in the in wrestling matches in, in weightlifting in practice all that you know when you're going to break you got to push yourself past that edge and you get stronger because of it
0: did you develop that that thought process early on like when because I know for me it took like a while of business and, and going through other hardships that I've endured to say man I'm, I'm seeing this parallel between when I'm about to just give up it seems like the clouds part you know, and the sun comes out, but it's only putting the work and trusting the process when you were going through all that, were you just, was it a a daily battle? Like what was the time from like where you're trying to stay focused? And even when you're discouraged and I didn't wrestle in college, I wasn't that good, but I I know even from being in high school, like you, there's no time off. You can't say, let me just think what I want to do for a couple of weeks. You got to stay committed even when you're not feeling it. What was that like? Yeah, it absolutely was a daily battle,
1: and so you know what I would do uh, wrestling just to keep me motivated, just to keep me uh, in a place to where I could I could track even the smallest progress. I would set little goals up for myself. You know, going in the wrestling, and like, okay, you know what? Uh, you know, Brian sits with our, our assistant coach at the time. I, I knew I couldn't beat Brian. I was like, I want to take Brian <laughs> down today. You know, or right. I, yeah. I want to ride Brian out for for a full minute. You know, or I want to turn this guy, or I want to get less points. You know, I would set up these mini goals for myself. Uh, to get those little victories to help, help with my confidence, you know, to help keep my mindset and just thinking positive to positively. Uh, And then in my life, you know, I was just, you know, like I said, my faith was always a big thing, you know, even those times I didn't really understand. So I was praying and uh, you know, I was just trying to do the best I could do working side jobs, just trying to save up money and uh, you know, focusing on school, you know, just getting my, my, my uh, degree. I knew, you know, down the road, that would definitely help, you know, with my family's financial situation. So, You know, it was just those little things of doing the best that I could with the opportunities that I had and tracking the small progress um, that helped me through those really, really hard times.
0: Well, and that's another thing that I I love that I literally, I I rewound the part of the SB speech, no less than 14 times to make sure I got it right when, (laughs) when it was the don't let what I cannot do interfere with what I can do. Like, is that something you learned early on too? That, you know, I think that's valuable for anybody. It doesn't matter what you're battling with. I think that that application is universal. Like there's the, I can't wrestle in college. I can't let that interfere with what I can do in business or whatever whatever else. Like, was that a mindset you developed early on?
1: I did develop that mindset early on, but, you know, I think honestly, I have to say that, you know, there were times where I needed to be re-reminded of it. Yeah, you know, I got, like I needed to have my family re- encourage me again or I had to have, you know, God just step in and put something in my life that reminded me of it. And, yeah. you know, that's one of the things I tell people is like, you know, nobody can do it alone. You know, you got to have uh, some support around you, lean on your friends, your teammates, you know, I mean, something, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I think we all need that reminder sometimes. And that's why, you know, that word unstoppable, you know, what I talk about in my, my speeches, that's why it's so important important and so special to me is that word unstoppable it doesn't mean you don't doubt sometimes you know it doesn't mean you don't get knocked down you don't face the losses it means you dust yourself off you get back up and you push through it you know so i mean we can. And where, we can where did you
0: develop that my my wife was watching as i was watching yesterday like videos and interviews and she heard that like i don't even know what you call it it's almost like a poem and she's like is he a poet and i'm like <laughs> i don't where did, did you come up with that when you were writing your book
1: well, man, it was it was crazy how everything kind of worked out. You know, I decided to get into uh, motivational speaking. I was working with a speaking coach, and then through my agent, uh, I got introduced to a, a professional speaker named Dan Clark. Okay. And so for the Espies, you know, I was working on my speech with him for like two months beforehand, yeah. uh, and he actually came up with that poem. You know, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, mean, I was talking to him, and you were talking about Unstoppable, and I wanted my, my speech to be around that. And, you know, once we were kind of tweaking uh, the final things on he's like hey he's like you know uh, just working with you it's pleasure I, I wrote this for you if you want to use it great he's like but it's for you and uh, i mean I, I just fell in love with that poem man yeah. i mean it's just it helped me to put my heart out there You on still the haven't
0: memorized
1: oh absolutely you gotta
0: say real quick for everybody listening who hasn't heard this it's amazing
1: sure every soul who comes to earth with a leg or two at birth must wrestle his opponent knowing It's not what is, it's what can be that measures worth. Make it hard, just make it possible. And through pain, I won't complain. My spirit is unconquerable. Fearless, I will face each foe, for I know I am capable. I don't care what's probable,
0: through blood, sweat, and tears, I am unstoppable. Gives me chills every time. It doesn't get old. And speaking of being unstoppable, your senior year here, you were unstoppable, undefeated, national champ. I just had Matt McDonough on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So (laughs) if he's listening, I know he listens to these. I'm sorry, Matt, for going here. But what was it like? How did you finally, so you battled these highs and lows we just talked about through college and you end up being unstoppable. You had that breakthrough that some people don't get. Some people battle all through high school, college life, and they don't get, you know, that unstoppable breakthrough. What do you think finally led to that undefeated season? And, I, and, and to say finally, like, you had two undefeated championship seasons in high school, you know, you just said you were a stud. We, we all get that. But now in college, you did it again after kind of humbling yourself for a couple of years and not reaching that goal. What do you think led you to finally break through there? Well, really, again, it all came back to mentality, you know, to my mindset
1: where I was at, because, you know, it like said a lot of times we can work and work and work and we cannot have that unstoppable breakthrough moment, you yeah. know, and we cannot reach that goal. And so my junior year, you know, I thought I was going to win it my junior year. I think I was ranked like top fourth and four in the country. Yeah. And uh, but, you know, again, a lot of off the mat issues going on for my family. And, and but just wrestling wise, I was just exhausted. You know, I think I was putting so much pressure on myself to win and, uh, you know, to be perfect out there when I wrestled, it was just getting to me. So, you know, I finished seventh place junior year and actually that was the first time in my whole wrestling career that I just didn't wrestle all summer long. I completely, wow. Stayed, yeah. I, I stayed out of the Arizona state wrestling room. I mean, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't step foot in there. You know, I was lifting on my own. I was teaching wrestling camps across you know, the country for, you know, some summer money but uh, I didn't train. And honestly, I wasn't even thinking about coming back my senior year. I I was pretty set on just, you know, talking to my academic coaches, uh, taking whatever classes I needed to get my degree and just being done. But uh, what ended up happening was, you know, my coach, and he was aware of the situation, you know, I told him I needed some time away. But he called me into the office. And he's like, Hey, we we got this, these letters from uh, a class in, in Georgia in Atlanta. And it was a group of third graders that wrote me as their hero of the week, you know. And so, and this was after I lost. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. So I'm reading like 30 letters from these kids and they're just really cute. But, you know, for me, it opened my eyes to where I realized that I was wrestling for more than just myself at that moment. You know, it was more than just, you know, me reaching a goal, me proving people wrong. Uh, These kids saw me as an example, you know, and I wanted to show them and everybody else It's like, yeah you know, like I said, we, we can all get knocked down. You know, we all have our own disabilities, if you will, you know, our own things that can break us, you know, that can make us quit and say we can't, but we also have the opportunity and we also have the decision to decide if we want to be unstoppable or not, you know, regardless of what's thrown in our way. And so my senior year, mentally I was just in a whole nother place. I wasn't wrestling with pressure. I was having fun. And, you know, I was wrestling to share that message, you know, that unstoppable message. And I really think that's, that's what, uh, you know, just helped me to unlock my full potential, you know, out there on the mat. I was just, I could slow everything down. I could relax. I was having fun. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it was cool because when I started that year, I I just remember cutting out Matt's picture, Matt McDonough, you know, his picture from the wrestling magazine, I put it in my locker. And I mean, I I talked to Matt, I mean, he's a great guy. I got a ton of respect for him. He's a stud, you know, but I knew, yeah, I mean, I, I knew in order to reach my greatness, I had, I had to reach his level. Yep. You know, he was he was the guy that I was chasing, and that was my riddle.
0: And, and I know that the Bible says, "Vengeance is mine," saith the Lord, and I've I've had to remind myself of that a lot. But God's funny sometimes the way He gives us closure, little victories. And again, <laughs> I like Matt too. But it had to be kind of sweet for you that you you end your career beating an Iowa guy, the school that didn't necessarily call you back. And here you are having your hand raised for national championship. <laughs> like, did, did you think about that at all? Like, when you went into that match or after? I, I honestly, I did think about it. And, uh, I mean, and
1: in high school, the Hawkeyes were my heroes, you know. I mean, sure. at that time, I mean, they've always been tough. But at that time, they were, I mean, studs, you know. and Unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it I was funny. My my high school coach, he has the picture in, in the wrestling room. Uh, you know, I have a Hawkeye hat on, <laughs> so I, I was a fan. So, uh, but you know, I was there, I was like, I was wrestling my heroes, but, uh, it made me nervous. It was, but it, at the same time, it, it was an honor. And I was, I figured like, you know, thinking about it I like, this is the best way to go out, you know, against my heroes, against the team that I really wanted to go and wrestle for. But yeah. you know what? I mean, that wasn't the plan for my life. You know, that wasn't where I was supposed to be. I am where I'm supposed to be, you know? And it's, it was perfect just the perfect match right there, you know, yeah. going up against the best guy, the returning champ from, uh, you know, from the Hawkeyes. It was, a, uh, it was yeah. special. It was, it was scary. It was tough, but
0: yeah. It was I very heard special. you say you almost threw up before the match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, I was, I remember they had a, had an ESPN camera on my face right before I ran out on that red carpet, yep. the tunnel. And I kept turning my back, man. I kept turning and I was like jumping <laughs> around, but I was wiping my face cause I was tearing up too. I was that nervous, you know, before really? that matchup. Wow. Oh yeah. A lot of pressure
0: <laughs> and and did you know i'm assuming at that point you knew you weren't going to wrestle after college so you knew this was like your last wrestling match ever when did that decision to not wrestle after college come into fruition
1: uh, you know honestly i would say probably beginning of my senior year you know i mean uh, i was going through kind of debating the, the thought was yep. in my head around then but you know I'd say that beginning of my senior year was when I really started to develop a passion for motivational speaking, you know, started kind of doing little events here and there for, for local schools. And I was working with a speaking coach. And, uh, as my passion grew for that, you know, I started looking for the next chapter, yeah. you know, I was like wrestling's right now. It's my goal right now, but my next goal, my, my, my long-term goal was speaking. And, um, you know, it was, it was a bittersweet realization to that. You know, yep. so going through my senior year, I like, man, this is, uh, it's coming to an end, you know, after every match, after every tournament and knowing I wasn't going on for, you know, a freestyle. Um, so it, it was, it was, it uh, was, it was hard, yeah. you know, but uh, you know, walking away after winning my title, I remember just crying underneath the tunnel, you know, uh, after I got my my trophy and uh, just realizing that it had officially come to an end. But at the same time, I was excited. I was like, you know what, I did what I wanted to accomplish you know, I, but now it's time for a new chapter. You know, wrestling is yeah. always going to be a part of my life. I'm always going to be around the sport. But as far as competition goes, my heart wasn't there anymore. Yep. You know, and I didn't want to do the sport and do myself a disservice by not being 100% there uh, mentally. You know, yeah. I, I, I wanted my yeah. heart all there or, or not at all. And, you know, my heart was going towards speaking now.
0: Then did that help the transition? I, I talked to a lot of people who go, especially from athlete to coach, and they talk about that transition being hard, where maybe it's because they weren't able to achieve a certain goal or because you still feel like you have something left in the tank. Did that passion for your career help that transition be a bit smoother?
1: I definitely think it did. But honestly, there there was a, a, a time where at the beginning, I did struggle with it, you yeah. know, I, and I was actually – asked. I don't. Know, depressed isn't the right word, but I was. I don't know. I I, I missed being on the rest of yeah. that. You it's know? a big part like,
0: of your life. I mean, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, man,
1: I'm I'm not. I don't have to wake up at five a.m. and and run or <laughs> lift or you know. I'm not watching my weight. I'm not stepping on a scale every day. You know, it's like. Yeah. I, I missed that. You know, yeah. I I missed the uh, the struggle and everything. But, you know, as I got more into speaking, I just kept shifting my focus to that. I I, I knew that I could apply the same wrestling mentality to my speaking career, you know, how I approached it with that passion, with that desire to improve every time, you know, to always challenge myself to get better. Yeah. And so, you know, that just became uh, my new goal. Then I just focused and locked in on that and uh, it, it little by little, that transition became easier. But, you know, honestly, I don't think that bug ever goes away of, you know, wanting to still <laughs> jump on a mat and compete.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny because as I was watching some interviews and in, in different videos, I, w- I was watching the when you went on Jay Leno after the espies and I'm curious because that's the only time I've ever seen you with a prosthetic leg on. You, they showed video of you like learning to walk, mm-hmm. and then this had to be like what 2011. Like yep, 2011. Yeah, 2011. 2011. So, and then like if you go go through your Instagram, you, you've never posted anything. What happened with that? Did you decide not to go down that path? Actually, I, I do still have the prosthetic leg. Actually, it's
1: in my closet here in this my office here. <laughs> but um, you know, that's a, a long term goal that I have for myself is I want to be able to run on that leg. Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, being on crutches my whole life, this is who I am. You know, I get around a lot faster. I'm. I'm. I'm it keeps my body in shape, my upper body, uh, and it's more comfortable. You know, wearing the prosthetic for a long period of time, it just it starts kind of bruising me. it's uh i kind of uh related to like wearing like a body cast you know yeah so uh, and honestly i i feel like i i'm not trying to hide yeah you know i like i don't uh, i don't feel like i want to need to put it on and, and kind of you know be afraid of what other people think or because they still stare which they do you know but now yeah. it doesn't really affect me but uh, you know the prosthetic you know it's it's a nice means to get around when i want to but uh the crutches will always be me, you know, the crutches will always be uh, more of my identity. And so I I think
0: long-term I'll always, I'll always stick with the crutches. That makes sense. I was curious because I'm like, that's interesting. And I've never seen it on Instagram or anything like that. And it was funny. You said in the, either to Leno or in the footage that when you had saw your reflection walking with pants with the prosthetic on, you're like, what the heck? (laughs) that, That had to be weird. And like you said, like to keep going back to the, the concept that, God has a plan for your life and designed you a certain way and he's using that and look at how many cool things you've done because you are so inspirational and because you are motivating people that only helps. I feel like motivate people even more leaning into that where if they don't see that, it's almost like your, your story is so incredible. If, if nobody knew you didn't have a leg, your story would be incredible to be an undefeated NCAA champ is wild. Then somebody sees that and it's like, okay, I need to listen to him more. And going back to, you know, speaking of like Leno, you have had so many cool moments and so many cool things happen that between everything you've done and your outlook on life and wrestling has led you this amazing life. What do you think has been the coolest thing you've been experienced because of everything? Man. Now, I have my answer for you, but I don't think it
1: counts. <laughs> uh, I honestly, I mean, the coolest moment, it, it, it's tough. Can I, I give you my top three? Okay, you know, deal. My, my, my top three. Uh, definitely one was, you know, being on, on Jay Leno's show because, yeah. you know, I was up, had the opportunity to go on twice, but um, the first time was on my 23rd birthday. Yep. and you know that was my first time like doing a live interview in front of a live studio audience I was nervous you know yeah um, you know Jay Leno shows up he had happy birthday cupcakes and you know oh, that's pretty I mean, cool <laughs> yeah he took me on a, a tour around the set and had the, the the crowd sing happy birthday to me afterwards so that was definitely up there uh, another huge one was uh, like I said I'm a big Raiders fan been been one all my life you know yeah. I mean Sundays are for going to church and then we watch the Raider games so yeah. you know we don't miss but uh, I got the opportunity to uh, have the family along with me we we went to Oakland for a Raiders game and the night before I got to speak to the team and so you know that was definitely a dream but
0: I'd say above you all got of to it to pray too right didn't you pray with the the Christian players I think in the showers or something uh, actually that was another opportunity in oh really um, yeah in in
1: Philadelphia we were there for oh, okay. uh, a preseason game at Philadelphia playing the Jets and so uh LaDainian Thomason right. brought me down to the Jets uh, and down to our team locker room, I got to say the team for air. Yeah. So uh, that was really special. I mean, see, that's, that's what I mean. It's it's hard to find one, but, uh, (laughs) I I would say if I had to pick up of everything, you know, it would have been the ESPY awards, just giving my speech there because I mean, to receive the Jimmy V award, you know, I mean, what he stood for, the, the, the speech that he gave, uh, before he passed away. I mean, that's one of my all time favorite speeches, you know, I mean, that man, put his heart out there. And I mean, still that tears me up when I listen to it. And so, you know, I wanted to do more than just a list of thank yous out there on that stage. And that's why I was working so hard on that speech and why the poem was so special at that moment. But, you know, going out there on the stage, man, it was like, I remember looking out and I think there's like 3000 people in that arena, but it's 3000 of the world's greatest athletes. You know, I'm looking down, it's like Serena Williams, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, uh, you know, they're all there. Michael Irvin, all of them are just right there. They're looking at me. And it's like, you know, for a moment, I just remember like looking around as they're clapping for me. It's like, man, it's like you know, a couple of years ago, I was last place in the Mesa city <laughs> tournament. Now, right. I was, uh, after that I was, I was close to breaking close to walking away from my sport. And now I'm talking to all these amazing athletes I'm sharing my heart, you know? Yeah. And so that was just, that was a blessing to me, but that was just like the ultimate, like, uh, um, the ultimate aha moment. Yeah, you know, I was like, man, this this was God's plan. Now I now I see it. You
0: know, I, I, well, the like, crowd pop when you raised the trophy <laughs> in the beginning was just like like you said, you walk out and you like you breathe it in, and it's almost like you you didn't know what to say yet because you could see being overwhelmed emotion, and you just raise the trophy up, and it was a crowd pop. <laughs> it's <just> like <laughs> it's hard not to. Man, I don't know if I would have got sidetracked, but when, when I say too that I know mine for you. you're right there there's there's probably 10 15 of these that you can't put a label on as as a favorite or best but one of mine observing your life from the outside has to be the fact that the rock wants to do a movie on you now i grew up a wwf fan a nut it's where bashmania comes from i had a website in 2000 called bashmania.com that was like basically it was facebook and myspace before it existed I would go, I would take my camera through school, take pictures, post on my website. It was just fun. I oh, and, and then that, a year later, morphed into like a pro wrestling news and rumors website. So I grew up a huge fan. Um, and did you grow up a pro wrestling fan? I did.
1: I remember watching like Bret Hart and Lex Luger yeah. and all those guys. when I was a kid. I was,
0: <laughs> I was so, fun. Yeah. I, I was a huge wrestling. Like everything I have is, is because of wrestling and not just like folk style and that, but like being a WWF fan led me to learning websites that led me to literally creating the company, which funds my life. So it, it's super cool for me and seeing the rock wants to do a movie on you. Like, how did that even come about?
1: It was it was crazy. It was it was was a long journey to get to that point, Um, you know, because early on uh, it was literally the night that I won my NCAA championship. We're celebrating at dinner and the phone's blowing up. And one of the calls was from a production company saying they wanted to talk to me about signing my life rights for a movie deal. Uh, So I got the offers right off the bat. But, you know, just talking to uh, my representation, you know, my agent and getting some advice. I was afraid of just signing a contract and letting them take my story and do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah. So we elected to go the longer route, which was, you know, we write out a a script and then we kind of start shopping that around to production companies and then whoever's willing to stick to that script. And obviously they have artistic creativity so they can change certain things, but to keep it as true to the script as possible, that's who we were going to go with. So, you know, that was 2011, you know, nine years now <laughs> you know we we approached one-on-one studios they were really excited uh they, they loved the story and, and the message behind it that positive message and so you know they had done some walk uh d- done some work with Dwayne Johnson in the past in one-on-one studios or mm-hmm. and, and seven bucks production excuse me and so you know they reached out to The Rock and you know man I remember when he said yes it was just that was a dream did you hear it from him or was it one-on-one production that told you like how, what was that like one on One Productions reached out to me and, and, and told told us that uh, you know The Rock wanted to do it, and they said you know keep it quiet. We got to kind of you know go <laughs> through the the back stuff and the legal stuff first. And so yeah. I think I think it was like man, it was it was like four to six weeks. I had to keep quiet and not say anything.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to.
1: It was so hard. It was so hard. Uh, but you know when the news finally came out and then The Rock posted on his Twitter and, and and Instagram, you know that he was doing my life story. I mean, it was just it was like man, it was. Have you spoken to him? Not in person yet. I know they've been trying to set some things up, but he's, that's crazy how
0: busy he is. I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah. So, but I'm excited though. I know, uh, you know, things got delayed a little bit because uh, of COVID-19. You know, we're actually getting ready to shoot. I think they're they're telling me like June, they wanted to shoot and then everything happened. Uh, So, you know, we're trying to get things rescheduled once Hollywood opens back up and then, then I'll be able to kind of hang out with him on set and, I'm hoping to get a couple lifts in with them as well. Let's and see. you're
0: cutting down. You're cutting down to do
1: wrestling scenes, aren't you? I am. Actually, I lost uh, 12 pounds total right now. <laughs> it doesn't look <laughs> like it. Oh, thank you. I, I, I bulked up for my pull-up records, and I had to drop for the movie. So I'm, I'm like, hovering right now, close to What? Well, by
0: the way, speaking of the pull-up record, which you've broken two now, right? Didn't I you have. do... You broke one at the at a NASCAR event, one at the Jets game. What led to that? Like you, you've literally since sixth grade <laughs> just tried to break any record you could find. What led <laughs> to that one? Uh,
1: I would say you know it, it just came from. Uh, I felt like there was just a whole an empty spot in me for a physical competition. You know, I mean, dedicating uh, so much of my life to wrestling and to to being the best. Uh, after I was done with that competition, I was still working out every day. You know, I was lifting weights and everything, but I didn't really have anything to push me at that level that I was used to, you know? And so when I turned uh, 30, I was like, or I was 29 and I was like, man, I'm about to turn 30, turn 30 in a year. I want to set another big goal for myself, you know? And uh, one of my friends from the gym, we're always doing little competitions with each other. You know, like we did like who can do most pushups in the sauna and stuff like that, you know? Um, typical so, wrestler. yeah, you know, a typical wrestler, but so he tagged me on a Facebook video, uh, of a guy who at the time, he had the record for the most pull-ups, the Guinness record. And he tagged my name and put a question mark. Uh, I remember like I watched it a couple of times and I was like, you know, I was, I was like figuring out his rhythm. I was like, you know, I, I can beat that. I want to go for that. And you know, it was, it was born from there.
0: <laughs> That's wild. Well, last thing here before I let you go, cause I, I could talk to you for hours, but I know you got a lot going on. I, I'm curious. I just had Rich Perry on the podcast last week. And he's told me that after dealing with this accident a couple of years ago and everything else in his life, he's seen how far God has continued to push. And the more God has done in his life, the more excited he is. Like, I told him, like, dude, you, you went through this accident. You have had a chip on your shoulder before that. You're now going to have to beat David Taylor and others if you want to make the Olympic team. Like, it's not getting easier for you. And he had told me that his perspective is the more God does in his life, the more excited and the harder he wants to push moving forward to see what's next similarly for you the first 30 years of your life to to see what God has done is wild what kind of hope and excitement does that give you for what could come the next 30 years next 60 years however many years we have left on this planet and you have what what kind of hope and excitement does everything you've gone through give you for what's next
1: man i'm i'm extremely excited you know i mean just to see the journey that I, that i've been on and and you know god's plan to this point i couldn't have imagined it being what it is you know i mean being that kid freshman year to where i am now it's it's been a blessing and uh you know now where i'm at in my life you know i i think it was it was nice just having some time to just get older to mature a little bit mentally you know see what's important to me uh, i know now that i want to use this platform you know, from the movie, from, uh, you know, from speaking and, you know, I'm about to start my own podcast, things like that. I want to share that unstoppable message as as much as I can, you know, because like we talked about, no one can do it alone. You know, there were times where I was close to breaking and certain people just helped to pull me out of it. You know, I mean, certain people just helped me over speed bumps and we all need that, you know? So it's like, if I can just share a message, you know, if I can just say anything to help someone over their speed bump in their life, that's what makes it all worth it you know, and that's yeah. the way I think I can say thank you and pay respect to not only my family and my coaches, but wrestling, you know, as well, just forgetting yeah. me here is, is helping the next story that's coming up.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, man, this has been awesome. Anything else you got anything else you want to say before we end this year?
1: No, man, I just want to say, you know, I know right now with everything going on, it sounds like seems like things are slowly getting back to normal in the world, yeah. you know, but I just want to encourage people out there because I know, a lot of people are stressing still, you know. I mean, with jobs and and whatnot and paying bills, but just stay, just just hang in there, you know. Just remember, just just count your blessings during these hard times. You know, when you're going through hard times, remember uh, what's most important. You know, I mean, you're struggling right now, but you know, just just push through it. You know, just grind, just have that unstoppable mentality, and and you know, you'll get through it. You know, there was there was a time in my life where, uh, I mean, I couldn't see the light. You know, I I I couldn't see a plan. I couldn't see Uh, anything positive you know but now looking back it's like man that made me stronger you know so just stay
0: positive and you're gonna be stronger you're gonna get through this amen i've seen it time and time again where i'm so frustrated going through something but then after when you find it when the clouds clear and you can see what god did it's the most beautiful thing on earth when you when you can look back and maybe not even understand why you had to go through it per se but seeing what came from the the beauty from the ashes it's wild awesome man well listen thank you so much for taking the time to share your story on the podcast today and i'm sure we'll we're gonna to have to do it again because if you live with the rock that's gonna be a whole episode in and of itself like. i would love
1: to come back Hope i'll be much bigger by then let's we'll see they'll, they'll let me grow some more
0: awesome man thank you again uh, thank you, Justin. And that is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you did enjoy this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on more episodes. For more wrestling content, be sure to follow Bash Mania on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And follow me. I'm at jbash on Instagram and at Justin Bash on Twitter. I'll be back with another episode shortly. See ya. And the beat goes on.